Part Two of the Christmas Angel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Jan McGillivray. The Christmas Angel by Abby Farwell Brown. Chapter Five. Miranda. Miss Terry returned to the fireside, fumbled in the box, and drew out a doll. She was an ugly old-fashioned doll, with bruised waxen face of no particular color. Her mop of flaxen hair was straggling and uneven, much the worse for the attention of generations of moths. She wore a faded green silk dress in the style of Lincoln's day, and a primitive bonnet, evidently made by childish hands. She was a strange, dead-looking figure, with pale eyelids closed, as Miss Terry dragged her from the box. But when she was set upright, the lids snapped open, and a pair of bright blue eyes looked straight into those of Miss Terry. It was so sudden that the lady nearly gasped. "'Miranda!' she exclaimed. "'It is old Miranda. I have not thought of her for years.' She held the doll at arm's length, gazing fixedly at her for some minutes. "'I cannot burn her,' she muttered at last. "'It would seem almost like murder. I don't like to throw her away, but I have vowed to get rid of these things tonight. And I'll do it anyway. Yes, I'll make an experiment of her. I wonder what sort of trouble she will cause.' Not even Miss Terry could think of seeing old Miranda lying exposed to the winter night. She found a piece of paper, rolled up the doll in a neat package, and tied it with red string. It was, to look upon, entirely a tempting package. Once more she stole down the steps and hesitated where to leave Miranda. Not on the sidewalk. For some reason that seemed impossible." but near the foot of the flight of steps leading to the front door she deposited the doll. The white package shone out plainly in the illuminated street. There was no doubt that it would be readily seen. With a quite unexplainable interest Miss Terry watched to see what would happen to Miranda. She waited for some time. The street seemed deserted. Miss Terry caught the faint sound of singing. The choristers were passing through a neighboring street, and doubtless all wayfarers within hearing of their voices were following in their wake. She was thoroughly interested in her grim joke, but she was becoming impatient. Were there to be no more passers? Must the doll stay there unreclaimed until morning? Presently she became aware of a child's figure drawing near. It was a little girl of about ten, very shabbily dressed, with tangled yellow curls hanging over her shoulders. There was something familiar about her appearance. Miss Terry could not say what it was. She came hurrying along the sidewalk with a preoccupied air, and seemed about to pass the steps without seeing the package lying there. But just as she was opposite the window, her eye caught the gleam of the white paper. She paused. She looked at it eagerly. It was such a tempting package, both as to its size and shape. She went closer and bent down to examine it. She took it into her bare little hands and seemed to squeeze it gently. There is no mistaking the contours of a doll, 
however well it may be enveloped in paper wrappings. The child's eyes grew more and more eager. She glanced behind her furtively. She looked up and down the street. Then, with a sudden intuition, she looked straight ahead, up the flight of steps. Miss Terry read her mind accurately. She was thinking that probably the doll belonged in that house. Someone must have dropped the package while going out or in. Would she ring the bell and return it? Miss Terry had not thought of that possibility. But she shook her head and her lip curled. Return it? Of course not. Ragged children do not usually return promising packages which they have found, even on Christmas Eve. Look now. Once more the child glanced stealthily behind her, up and down the street. Once more she looked up at the dark house before her, the only black spot in a wreath of brilliancy. She did not see the face peering at her through the curtains, a face which scanned her own half-wistfully. What was to become of Miranda? The little girl thrust the package under her ragged coat and ran away down the street as fast as her legs could take her. "'A thief!' cried Miss Terry. "'That is the climax. I have detected a child taking what she knew did not belong to her on Christmas Eve. Where are all their Sunday school lessons and their social improvement classes? I knew it.' This Christmas spirit that one hears so much about is nothing but an empty sham. I have proved it to my satisfaction tonight. I will burn the rest of these toys, every one of them, and then go to bed. It is too disgusting. She was a nice-looking child, too. Poor old Miranda. With something like a sigh, Miss Terry strode back to the fire, where the play-box stood gaping. She had made but a small inroad upon its heaped-up treasures. She threw herself listlessly into the chair and began to pull over the things. Broken games and animals, dolls' dresses painfully tailored by unskilled fingers, disjointed members, sorry relics of past pleasures. One by one, Miss Terry seized them between disdainful thumb and finger and tossed them into the fire. Her face showed not a qualm at parting with these childhood treasures. Only the stern sense of a good housekeeper's duty fulfilled. With queer contortions the bits writhed on the coals, and finally flared into dissolution, vanishing up chimney in a shower of sparks to the heaven of spent toys. CHAPTER Six: THE CHRISTMAS ANGEL Almost at the bottom of the box Miss Terry's fingers closed about a small object. Once more she drew out the papier-mâché angel which had so excited the wonder of Nora when once before that evening it had come to light. Miss Terry held it up and looked at it with the same expression on her face, half tender, half contemptuous. "'The Christmas angel,' she murmured involuntarily, as she had done before and again there flashed through her mind a vivid picture. It was the day before Christmas, fifty years earlier. She and her brother Tom were trimming the Christmas tree in this very library. 
She saw Tom in a white piqué suit with short socks that were always slipping down his fat legs. She saw herself in a white dress and blue ribbons, pouting in a corner. They had been quarreling about the Christmas tree, disputing as to which of them should light the first candle when the time arrived. Then their mother came to them smiling, a sweet-faced lady who seemed not to notice the red faces and the tears. She put something into Tom's hand, saying, This is the Christmas angel of peace and goodwill. Hang it on the tree, children, so that it may shed a blessing on all who come here to give and to receive. How lovely and pink it looked in Tom's hand! Little Angelina had thought it the most beautiful thing she had ever seen, and holy, too, as if it had some blessed charm. Fiddlestick! What queer fancies children have! Miss Terry remembered how a strange thrill had crept through Angelina as she gazed at it. Then she and Tom looked at each other, and were ashamed of their quarrel. Suddenly Tom held out the angel to his sister. "'You hang it on the tree, Angelina,' he said magnanimously. "'I know you want to.' But she, little fool, she too had a fit of generosity. "'No, you hang it, Tom. You're taller,' she said. "'I'll hang it at the very top of the tree,' he replied, nothing loath. Eagerly he mounted the stepladder, while Angelina watched him enviously, thinking how clumsy he was and how much better she could do it. How funny and fat Tom had looked on top of the ladder, reaching as high as he dared. The ladder began to wobble, and he balanced precariously, while Angelina clutched at his fat ankles with a scream of fright. But Tom said, "'Ow! Angelina, let go my ankles! You hurt!' Now don't scream, I shan't fall. Don't you know that this is the Christmas angel, and he will never let me get hurt on Christmas Eve? Swaying wildly on one toe, Tom had clutched at the air, at the tree itself, anywhere for support. Yet almost as if by a miracle, he did not fall, and the Christmas angel was looking down from the very top of the tree. Miss Terry laid the little pink figure in her lap and mused. "'Mother was wise,' she sighed. "'She knew how to settle our quarrels in those days. "'Perhaps if she had still been here things would have gone differently. "'Tom might not have left me for good. "'For good!' "'She emphasized the words with a nod, as if arguing against something.' Again she took up the Christmas angel and looked earnestly at it. Could it be that tears were glistening in her eyes? Certainly not. With a sudden sniff and jerk of the shoulders she leaned forward, holding the angel towards the fire. This should follow the other useless toys. But something seemed to stay her hand. She drew back, hesitated, then rose to her feet. I can't burn it she said. It's no use, I can't burn it. But I don't want to see the thing around. I will put this out on the sidewalk, too. Possibly this may be different and do some good to somebody. She wrapped the shawl about her shoulders and once more ran down the steps. She left the angel face upward in the middle of the sidewalk and retreated quickly to the house. 
As she opened the door to enter, she caught the distant chorus of fresh young voices singing in a neighboring square. Angels from the realms of glory. Wing your flight o'er all the earth. When she took her place behind the curtain, she was trembling a little. She could not guess why. But now she watched with renewed eagerness. What was to be the fate of the Christmas angel? Would he fall into the right hands and be hung upon some Christmas tree ere morning? Would he— Miss Terry held her breath. A man was staggering along the street toward her. He whistled noisily a vulgar song, as he reeled from curb to railing, threatening to fall at every step. A drunken man on Christmas Eve. Miss Terry felt a great loathing for him. He was at the foot of the steps now. He was close upon the angel. Would he see it, or would he tread upon it in his disgusting blindness? Yes. No. He saw the little pink image lying on the bricks, and with a lurch forward bent to examine it. Miss Terry flattened her nose against the pane eagerly. She expected to see him fall upon the angel bodily. But no, he righted himself with a whoop of drunken mirth. Angel, she heard him croak with maudlin accent. Pink angel, begora. What doin' here, eh? Whoop! Go back to sky, angel. And lifting a brutal foot, he kicked the image into the street. Then, with a shriek of laughter, he staggered away out of sight. Miss Terry found herself trembling with indignation. The idea! He had kicked the Christmas angel, the very angel that Tom had hung on their tree. It was sacrilege, or at least— Fiddlestick! Miss Terry's mind was growing confused. She had a sudden impulse to rescue the toy from being trampled into filthiness. The fire was better than that. She hurried down the steps into the street, forgetting her shawl. She sought in the snow, and snatched the pink morsel to safety. Straight to the fire she carried it, and once more held it to the flames. But again— she found it impossible to burn the thing. Once, twice, she tried. But each time, something seemed to clutch back her wrist. At last she shrugged impatiently and laid the angel on the mantelpiece beside the square old marble clock, which marked the hour of half-past eight. "'Well, I won't burn it to-night,' she reflected. "'Somehow I can't do it just now.' I don't see what has got into me. But to-morrow I will. Yes, to-morrow I will. She sat down in the armchair and fumbled in the old play-box for the remaining scraps. There were but a few meaningless bits of ribbon and gauze, with the end of a Christmas candle, the survivor of some past festival, burned on some tree in the past. All these but the last she tossed into the fire, where they made a final protesting blaze. The candle-end fell to the floor unnoticed. "'There! That is the last of the stuff!' she exclaimed with grim satisfaction, shaking the dust from her black silk skirt. "'It is all gone now, thank heaven, and I can go to bed in peace. No, I forgot Nora. 
I suppose I must sit up and wait for her. Bother the girl. She ought to be in by now. What can she find to amuse her all this time? Christmas Eve. Fiddlestick. But I have got rid of a lot of rubbish tonight, and that is worth something. She sank back in her chair and clasped her hands over her breast with a sigh. She felt strangely weary. Her eyes sought the clock once more, and doing so rested upon the Christmas angel lying beside it. She frowned and closed her eyes to shut out the sight, with its haunting memories and suggestions. CHAPTER Seven, BEFORE THE FIRE Suddenly there was a volume of sound outside, and a great brightness filled the room. Miss Terry opened her eyes. The fire was burning red, but a yellow light, as from thousands of candles, shone in at the window, and there was the sound of singing, the sweetest singing that Miss Terry had ever heard. An angel of the Lord came down, and glory shone around. The words seemed chanted by the voices of young angels. Miss Terry passed her hands over her eyes and glanced at the clock. But what the hour was she never noticed, for her gaze was filled with something else. Beside the clock, in the spot where she had laid it a few minutes before, was the Christmas angel. But now, instead of lying helplessly on its back, it was standing on rosy feet, with arms outstretched toward her. Over its head fluttered gauzy wings. From under the yellow hair which rippled over the shoulders, two blue eyes beamed kindly upon her, and the mouth widened into the sweetest smile. "'Peace on earth to men of good will!' cried the angel, and the tone of his speech was music, yet quite natural and thrilling. Miss Terry stared hard at the angel and rubbed her eyes, saying to herself, Fiddlestick! I am dreaming! But she could not rub away the vision. When she opened her eyes, the angel still stood tiptoe on the mantel shelf, smiling at her and shaking his golden head. Angelina! said the angel softly, and Miss Terry trembled to hear her name thus spoken for the first time in years. Angelina, you do not want to believe your own eyes, do you? But I am real, more real than the things you see every day. You must believe in me. I am the Christmas angel. I know it. Miss Terry's voice was hoarse and unmanageable, as of one in a nightmare. I remember. You remember, repeated the angel. Yes, you remember the day when you and Tom hung me on the Christmas tree. You were a sweet little girl then, with blue eyes and yellow curls. You believed the Christmas story and loved Santa Claus. Then you were simple and affectionate and generous and happy. Fiddlestick, Miss Terry tried to say, but the word would not come. Now you have lost the old belief and the old love, went on the angel. Now you have studied books and read wise men's sayings. You understand the higher criticism and the higher charity 
and the higher egoism. You don't believe in mere giving. You don't believe in the Christmas economics. You know better. But are you happy, dear Angelina? Again Miss Terry thrilled at the sound of her name so sweetly spoken, but she answered nothing. The angel replied for her. No, you are not happy, because you have cut yourself off from the things that bring folk together in peace and goodwill at this holy time. Where are your friends? Where is your brother tonight? You are still hard and unforgiving to Tom. You refused to see him today, though he wrote so boyishly, so humbly and affectionately. You have not tried to make any soul happy. You don't believe in me, the Christmas spirit. There is such a word as fiddlestick, whatever it may mean, but Miss Terry's mind and tongue were unable to form it. The Christmas spirit, continued the angel. What is life worth if one cannot believe in the Christmas spirit? With a powerful effort Miss Terry shook off her nightmare sufficiently to say, The Christmas spirit is no real thing. I have proved it tonight. It is not real. It is a humbug. Not real? A humbug? repeated the angel softly. And you have proved it, Angelina, this very night? Miss Terry nodded. I know what you have done said the angel. I know very well. How keen you were! How clever! You made a test of chance to prove your point. Again Miss Terry nodded with complacency. What knowledge of the world! What grasp of human nature! commented the angel, smiling. It is like you mere mortals to say, I will make my test in my own way. If certain things happen, I shall foresee what the result must be. If certain other things happen, I shall know that I am right. Events fall out as you expect, and you smile with satisfaction, feeling your wisdom justified. It ought to make you happy. But does it? Miss Terry regarded the angel doubtfully. Look now, he went on holding up a rosy finger. You are so near-sighted. You are so unimaginative. You do not dream beyond the thing you see. You judge the tale finished while the best has yet to be told. And you stake your faith, your hope, your charity upon this blind human judgment, which is mere chance. Miss Terry opened her lips to say, I saw... But the angel interrupted her. You saw but the beginning, he said. You saw but the first page of each history. Shall I turn over the leaves and let you read what really happened? Shall I help you see the whole truth instead of a part? On this night holy truth, which is of heaven, comes for all men to see and to believe. Look! End of Part 2 Recording by Jan McGillivray The music included in this recording is from Angels from the Realms of Glory and While Shepherds Watched Their Flocks by Night, which are in the public domain.